it's funny. We're all sitting around celebrating, acting like 2020 is over when 2020 is probably sitting in the corner just like, it's over till it's over. Hey fam, welcome to the last episode of Stay Watching of 2020, or possibly the first episode of 2021, depending on when you are listening to this. As always, I'm your host, Larry. This week on the podcast, it's that time, it's the end of the year episode, and rather than talking about the best and the worst of the year, you know, 2020 has been trying enough for so many of us it's been a really turbulent year a really hard year to get through on on all sorts of different levels i thought it would be more fun if i were to just share with you some of my favorite things from this year and so in this episode i'll be sharing some of my favorite things from entertainment whether it be you know movies or tv podcasts so I'll be talking a little bit about some of my favorite things, um, sharing some of the things that almost made that list of favorite things, you know, the the stuff that's, you know, right there bubbling underneath, not quite the top spot, but uh, definitely deserve some attention. I'm hoping what this episode will do is highlight some things for you that you, you know, will want to check out. And um, yeah, and I'm, I'm definitely interested when it's all said and done, you know, share with me what some of your favorites were, too. I, I definitely would love to hear what some of your favorites were. So hang on. We'll get right into this. So what I did this year is I had a few categories that I had come up with, and then I opened it up to you, my loyal listeners, to share with me what are some of the favorites that you wanted to hear about. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to use all of the ones that were submitted to me. Some of them, um, you know, don't necessarily work for the type of podcast this is and the things that I talk about on the podcast, Um, you know, but I tried to grab as many of them as I could, because I think a lot of them were really good. And so one of the ones that I want to start out with, which was one of the submitted ones, was Favorite Escape. And I thought it was a a really interesting one because the way it was framed to me, it was kind of like because most of us haven't really gotten to travel too much this year and we've needed entertainment to help us kind of get away you know, what are those things, you know, what were, what were your, what was your favorite escape? And, you know, I had jokingly replied that I actually got to take a trip to LA first thing this year, um, which I am so glad I did because if I hadn't traveled at all this year, I would have been really mad at myself. Uh, I'm hoping in 2021, I get to do a little bit of traveling late in the year, but we'll see. But in terms of my favorite escape, I'm going to be as broad as possible with this one and just say open world video games. Um, One of the things that happened, especially when the pandemic first started up, it kind of gave me a chance to go back to a video game that I had been playing and hadn't finished. It released before 2020, um, so it didn't necessarily fit into my favorite video game of 2020, you know, area. you know, but it was definitely something that I had a lot of fun with, and that was The Witcher 3. Um, you know, I may have talked about it in a older episode of the podcast when the, the Witcher TV series came out. Uh, I really enjoyed that series, and it was a nice way to um, kind of get me back into The Witcher. You know, I had bought the, the Witcher 3 when it was on sale, the complete edition with all the DLC, um, and had started playing it, but hadn't gotten very far didn't really get into it, but then the Henry Cavill show kind of got me back in there. I had also played the the second Witcher game, um, 
you know, and so being able to, you know, grab Roach's horse and and kind of gallop across, you know, the land there, um, that was really fun. And then later in the year, uh, the game Ghost of Tsushima came out and, you know, set in Japan during the Mongol invasion, being able to just travel this really lush, you know, beautifully animated countryside. Um, you know, in the style of a samurai epic was was just a lot of fun. And I, and I found myself really getting into games where, you know, you're really just traversing a, a world, a world that you may never see because it's it's either made up or it's, you know, fictionalized or, you know, it's from a bygone era. And and kind of the last one of those games or there, there are two that I played. One of them I'll talk a little bit about later. But, you know, one of the other big ones for me this year was playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So uh, I pretty much never play Assassin's Creed games in the year that they come out, because usually I, I think they're overpriced because these games always have bugs and issues. The cool thing about Assassin's Creed Odyssey is it takes you all throughout the Greek world, um, you know, and so being able to play a game where you're meeting people like Socrates and things like that. It was just a lot of fun and, and sailing from from place to place. And it, it, it's really cool how open world games have all of these different ways of, of kind of getting you to traverse that world. and. And I think that's one of the things that I, I really enjoy about those types of games. It's really easy to just get lost and plug tens of hours in, you know, playing these games. So uh, I definitely found open world video games to be a really big escape during the year 2020. Next topic is another one that was submitted uh, and it was favorite fight scene. And, you know, at first I it, this one was really hard for me because, you know, the challenge is, you know, I, I don't want to say that, like, I, I didn't watch a lot of stuff because I, I still did. But the challenge is in this year, a lot of movies that I feel like might have been able to win this category had either gotten pushed back or delayed or, you know, won't be coming out until next year or the year after. Um, but luckily, I, I sat there and I thought about it for a minute and I realized like my my favorite fight scene was actually in a movie that I was able to see in theaters twice at the beginning of this year. Um, and that came in Birds of Prey and specifically the the Gotham City Police Department fight scene, the one where Harley Quinn busts in. She's got the grenade launcher filled with beanbags and, you know, paint and all sorts of stuff and glitter. I, I just think there's something really cool about the choreography of that scene. I think it's visually very striking. I think there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of kinetic energy in it. Um, it's a scene that I found myself just really thinking about a lot throughout this year. Um, and, you know, it's definitely one that I've, I've found myself wanting to revisit and then eventually revisiting. Um, you know, that film was a lot of fun. It's easily probably my favorite comic book movie that came out this year, considering there. I mean, there were a few. Um, but that was probably my favorite one. And that was easily my favorite fight scene from one um, and probably favorite fight scene overall. Um, there's definitely an honorable mention in my next category, which uh, developed talking with my favorite little sister uh, or my favorite sister, my little sister, Larissa, um, favorite Star Wars content. And, you know, it, it's funny. I talk more than enough about Star Wars. Every time I say I'm done talking about Star Wars, it just creeps back in. But I thought this was, you know, when we talked about it, it seemed like a really good category to include, even though I just recorded a bonus episode on Star Wars last week. Um, favorite Star Wars content for the year 2020 is actually Clone Wars The Final Episodes. Now, I know this might surprise some folks who are probably sitting there like, why wasn't it The Mandalorian Season 2? And quite frankly, for me, uh, The Clone Wars Final Episodes were the icing on the cake of a series that I have at least three to four times on this podcast 
have said that the Clone Wars TV series, animated series, is easily my favorite piece of Star Wars content overall. Um, and these final episodes did not disappoint. There's one in the batch that's probably not the, there's one group of episodes that's not the strongest. But other than that, I, I thought it was a really fitting way to close out the series. Uh, in terms of the honorable mentions for favorite fight scenes, there is a beautifully choreographed fight between uh, Ahsoka Tano uh, and Darth Maul which was actually motion captured uh, and and Ray Park himself, the guy who played Dark Maul, Darth Maul in the prequel trilogy, actually, you know, choreographed this fight scene and it's awesome. Uh, but being able to kind of finally see the end of the Clone Wars and to have it be completed in a way where you got to see the overlap with Revenge of the Sith Getting to see Order 66 happen, you know, in a, I almost want to say in a more grounded way, being able to see it happen, you know, with a full battalion of clones and what's going on there. I, I just thought those last set of episodes were really amazing for Star Wars fans. If you are a Star Wars fan and you have not watched The Clone Wars, um, it, it can be difficult. Um, not every episode is fantastic. There are definitely viewership guides that I would tell you to seek out that that tell you the best episodes to watch. That way you can dodge some of the filler or some of the, you know, sillier episodes. But for me, Clone Wars is is far and away probably some of my favorite Star Wars content, uh, which is which is weird considering it, it, it's all built from prequel stuff. But, you know, I, I just think they're able to do some really great stuff there, whether it be with the Jedi, whether it be with the bounty hunters, whether it be with Mandalorians. You know, it, again, it's one of those things. It's like if you like some of what you're seeing in the Mandalorian, chances are one of those things that you really like had its start in the Clone Wars or or is explained further in the Clone Wars. So I would definitely say check that show out. The next category that we also talked about was favorite Marvel content. And, you know, again, this was a little bit of a tough one because at first, you know, Marvel Studios didn't really put out anything this year. Um, you know, the Black Widow movie got delayed uh, out of the year because of the pandemic. So that didn't come out. None of the Marvel TV series started this year or the Marvel Studios Marvel TV series started this year. And, you know, there's usually a bunch of pitiful other content. So for me, it actually ended up being a tie between two Marvel properties, one that I've watched every season of live as it has aired the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, which I thought was a lot of fun and a really fitting end to a great series and a great cast of characters that I thoroughly enjoyed. I know it's the type of show that's not going to be for everybody, um, but for me, it, it really kind of came into its own, especially in the later seasons where they started to kind of allow themselves to do larger stories that were outside of the scope of what was going on in the MCU. I feel like when the series first started, it was a little too beholden to what's going on in the movies, even though there wasn't really that huge overlap. And I feel like as the series kind of started to, you know, get its own footing, it, it really figured out what it was and was able to do some really cool and interesting and unique storytelling. And the final season of this series was no different. The thing that I would say it's tied with for me is the Spider-Man Miles Morales game on PS5 and PS4. Um, this also fits into that open world video game slot where, you know, as Miles Morales, you can zip all around Manhattan specifically. Uh, I wish I wish there was more New York that you could go explore. Maybe one day they'll add DLC for Brooklyn. I know the buildings aren't as tall and it might be a little bit harder to zip around, but I still think it would be a lot of fun for Miles to actually be able to be in Brooklyn. Um, but that's just me. Um, 
That game was a lot of fun. I thought it was a beautiful way to showcase some of the power of the new PS5 console. It is beautiful. I thought the voice acting was mostly well done. The story was interesting enough and fun and kept me interested. And, you know, it, it kept me entertained enough that I played through it twice in a row. And, you know, even though I've done pretty much everything that you can do in the game, I got the platinum trophy. I almost want to play through it again. So we'll see if that happens uh, sometime soon. The next category uh, and usually something like this wouldn't necessarily be on my list, but talking it through with my sister once again, I thought it would be a lot of fun to add this category because I think this is something that I never really mention on this podcast. Um, it is something that I've been meaning to talk about on a future episode for a really long time. Hopefully that will happen in 2021. We'll see. Um, favorite trash TV of 2020 uh, was 90 Day the other 90 day the other way is the 90 day fiance uh one of their spinoff shows uh, my sister when we the only time we were able to kind of get together this year besides the very early part of the year um she basically forced my family to watch 90 day and it was hilarious and entertaining and kind of sad but you know really engrossing and I will be honest, I don't watch a whole lot of trash TV when I need my TV junk food or comfort food. It's usually cooking shows or, you know, diners, drive-ins and dives like it's it's not really trash TV, but that's like kind of the closest thing that I would really get to on a normal basis. Um, I, I don't really have any shows that like, you know, one would call guilty pleasures or anything like that these days. But 90 Day the Other Way was a really fun diversion. It was really able to kind of take our minds off of, you know, the really, really rough year that we were all going through. And, you know, it's funny because this topic kind of feeds into the next category here, uh, which a few people suggested. But. You know, there, there really was a cultural moment that was built around 90 Day Fiance and, and specifically Big Ed, um, you know, and, and just like the way that exploded, the way that people saw memes of this dude and were just like, I need to understand what this show is and, and just how that brought so many people to watching it and and discussing it. I, I just thought that was really kind of really interesting. And, I, and even if I'm not watching all of the show and I'm not watching, you know, all of the spinoffs, being able to watch a season of that show and and be able to understand, you know, what's so ridiculous about it and what's so fun about it. Uh, it, it definitely brightened up my ear a bit. <laughs> My favorite meme or cultural moment, again, this is a topic that was kind of uh, sent to me by a few people. Um, for me, I had to go with something that is super wholesome, uh, and that is the TikTok of Dogface280 drinking his Ocean Spray cranberry juice and, you know, just vibing to some Fleetwood Mac. It, there's just something so simple and beautiful and resonant about that video. Um, you know, again, like I, I will hammer this home pretty much with every one of these that I talk about, but you know, a lot of entertainment, a lot of what we were looking to do this year was to escape from the situation that we were in, to look for something brighter. And there is such a there's such a hopefulness in that video that I I when it first got big, when it first dropped, I, I found myself just watching it over and over again because it just made me so happy. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of stuff that can do that. And and to do that on such a massive scale for so many people and, you know, just to spawn all the countless, countless people, you know, kind of remaking it and remixing it and and for Ocean Spray and for, you know, the, the members of Fleetwood Mac to kind of jump on it as well. I, I just thought it was really beautiful. And, you know, I, I think there's there's something to be said for something that wholesome. And I hope, I hope, I hope we can get more wholesome content like that 
in the new year. Um, I do have to give an honorable mention here to the brother with the twisted T who smacked that racist in the face. I, I do absolutely love that. I know that's not nearly as wholesome and that, that sounds like a complete 180 from what I was just saying, but you know, sometimes a racist needs to get slapped in the face with a twisted T. Um, you know, product placement is a huge thing and I'm just glad that, you know, ocean spray can be, you know, that, that wholesome drink and Twisted Tea is just, you know, beating the hell out of racists as it should. So just just really, really great cultural moments this year. My favorite piece of entertainment not made in 2020. I, I really just wanted to add this category because as I talked about on a previous episode of the podcast, which you can go back and find in the feed from earlier this year. The pandemic got me to finally watch Avatar The Last Airbender, a show that for years my, my students, my friends have told me, hey, you should really check this show out. I think you're going to love it. And for me, just being like, oh, I don't know when it's on. I don't know where to find it. Uh, it's not available on stream, whatever, whatever, making all sorts of excuses to not watch this show. So 2020 is here. There is a pandemic. It has finally been added to Netflix. I have literally nothing better to do because all I'm doing is sheltering and home and working. So what do I do? I finally watch Avatar The Last Airbender and I completely fall in love with it. I have an entire episode dedicating dedicated to talking about how much I love that series, the things that I think it does really well, um, the character development, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, of course, I watched it before the HD version was uploaded. So, you know, realistically, 2021, you know, there's still going to be a lot of time spent indoors because this pandemic's not going away. Uh, so I may as well watch Avatar The Last Airbender again because uh, it is that good of a series. And, you know, if you are into action cartoons, if you're into American anime, which is what I would really categorize it as, um, I definitely think it's worth checking out. I think it's a really cool series. A lot of folks who worked on other projects that I like, uh, like Dave Filoni, who you might know from working on The Mandalorian and The Clone Wars, he worked on some episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, you know, definitely worth checking out. Um, the next category, which was another one that was just submitted to me, uh, was favorite advertisement. And I actually had two ads that I really loved this year. The first one that I'm going to talk about is actually one that, once again, my sister brought to my attention. I had not seen it before. Um, if you are new to the podcast or haven't listened in a while, I don't have cable. Um, so oftentimes, I, I don't always see the hottest commercials or the newest commercials. Um, I usually have to either seek them out online uh, through like AdAge or, or you know, some other advertising kind of news site um, or, you know, I, I get them sent to me. And this was one that my sister sent to me. Uh, it's titled The Show Must Go On. It's an Amazon commercial. Basically, it is the story of a ballerina who, you know, was was training, getting ready, rehearsing for her her big show, but the pandemic causes it to be canceled and the people in her apartment building do everything they can to get her to perform still. And, you know, it is just a, a beautiful, beautiful commercial. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely say seek it out. One of the things that I learned about it as I was getting ready to talk about it on the podcast today is uh, it was actually directed by Melina Matsukis, uh, who is the director of Queen and Slim, a movie that I, I, I know I've, I've definitely hated on. Um, you know, very beautiful movie, well shot, just not necessarily 
the best story being told. Um, I, I don't know how to put that better, but she also directed the music video for Beyonce's Formation and Rihanna's We Found Love. So, you know, really, really beautiful commercial, you know, uh, you know, beautiful short film, if you want to call it that, as I think a lot of these ads are short films. Um, definitely worth checking out if you have not seen it. It is beautiful. And the other commercial that I have that tied with is the is Nike's You Can't Stop Us. The best way to describe this commercial is it's the split screen ad. And, you know, really for me, where where the show must go on is really a, a beautiful piece of filmmaking that operates as a commercial. You Can't Stop Us, you know, is is a feat in editing like that's that's really the way that i find myself looking at it like it, it is a brilliant commercial overall but the way it's lined up and everything is edited together is just it's mesmerizing and if you haven't seen this yet i i would definitely say pause it you know do you know jump over to youtube do a quick search for nike you can't stop us Watch that ad if you haven't seen it. I, I feel like there's nobody who hasn't seen it at this point because it made the rounds on the internet. It is such a cool ad. And this one was directed by Pulse Films' Oscar Hudson. Um, he's done a bunch of other ads, but he's also directed music videos for Radiohead, Bonobo, Young Thug. And some of the commercials that he's done were for Apple. He did the uh, Beats Bounce commercial where the guy puts his beats in and he basically bounces all around the city. Really fun, really cool technical um, direction in, in this guy's work. And he also did some, some cool... Uh, you know, commercial for Ikea. So just definitely, definitely some really, really cool ad work going on. Favorite animated content for this year. This is such a hard one, um, mostly because like, you know, again, there this has been a weird year with what's been being put out. Um, there are some things that I was going to put on this list and then I remembered they started uh, before 2020. Um, you know, I keep coming back to DuckTales every now and then. It's probably the thing that I get most nostalgic about right now. Um, but in terms of animated content, Definitely one of them that stands out to me is a show on HBO Max that I'm sure most people have not heard of. It's called Close Enough. It is a animated TV series from JG Quintel, uh, who is the guy behind Regular Show. Um, for those of you who do not know me in person, Regular Show is one of my favorite Cartoon Network cartoons of, of kind of their more modern-ish era like it, it's technically like an era ago uh it was out around the time that you know steven universe and and uh, adventure time and stuff like that were were kind of out um you know not that they those shows don't still exist but like that that's when it was big so basically right in that period when i had graduated college um you know, regular show was a show that really spoke to me. It, it felt like it captured that idea of being in that purgatory of your kind of post-college life. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And so in a sense, like close enough feels like a spiritual sequel to regular show in that, you know, the characters in this show, they're, they're not the same characters at all, um, though JG voices one of them and, and it gets a little confusing sometimes because you're like, oh, like that's basically just Mordecai's voice. But it's basically these these two, this married couple, their child and their kind of live in housemates and the challenges that they face in kind of like their adult life. And, you know, it even though I'm I'm not married, I don't have a kid, it, there's something really special about the way that this show looked at that kind of older adulthood and where it's kind of progressed from that kind of regular show life. And I, I feel like it was really, really interesting animated content. I like that 
it was able to be somewhat serious yet still have that kind of wacky feel that regular show had where you know sometimes things will just literally go off the rail and the weirdest thing you would think could happen happens or it's something even weirder than that um i can't really say too much because like i don't want to give away some of the, like the really great you know, humorous things that go on in the show. Uh, but I definitely think it is worth checking out. For me, it is is definitely the highlight of, of kind of the animated projects that I've checked out this year. Um, I, I would have to give, you know, special shout out again, Clone Wars, the final episodes. I think they were really well done. Um, definitely the best animation that the Clone Wars have had uh, throughout the entire series. So that was really beautiful. And, you know, recently at the time of recording this, uh, Disney Pixar Soul had come out. Um, obviously, there's there's some. I, the film is, is, is kind of polarizing uh, for, for a few reasons. I I'm not going to really get into all of that here. I I don't know if I'm going to record a bonus episode of the podcast talking about it either. Um, but the one thing that cannot be taken away from soul is just the beauty of that animation. Like it, the, what they can do these days is gorgeous. The way that light interacts with these characters is beautiful. And they're also these like really abstract characters in a part of the film that the way that they're animated is just wonderful. And you know, I think there's there's something really cool about the experimentation that they were able to do with some of what was going on in this series. And so, you know, again, even though I, I may not see it as a, you know, as a necessarily perfect, you know, execution or perfect film, I, I do think there's a lot of beauty in the animation and that should be respected. So favorite nostalgic piece of entertainment. I, I guess that's that's how I'm gonna gonna look at this one. And and I know I've been on the record as saying like I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of things that are supposed to be nostalgic, mostly because a lot of that stuff doesn't really speak to me. Um, I will be talking about uh, how much I hate nostalgia based in the '80s again in a future episode of the podcast, um, especially with. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 having come out recently. Um, that stuff usually does not work for me, but a series, a docu-series that actually came out recently that really did hit me in the nostalgia, like it really got those feels flowing was the documentary High Score, uh, which is on Netflix. It's a great big picture docu-series produced for Netflix. It is wonderful. It looks at kind of the history and development of games, uh, video games, and especially across a few different genres. So we get to see things like we get to see the rise of arcade games. We get to see, you know, how kind of modding uh, arcade games birthed. We got to see where PC games really took off. We got to learn about RPGs, uh, platformers, you know, the Sega, you know, how Sega kind of grew fighting games, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. We got to see the birth of Doom and all of these different things. And, you know, for me, who grew up during like the big Sega versus Nintendo kind of era, you know, as much as I, I like to think that I don't get nostalgic about a lot of stuff, I, I think that is a time period that I do get really nostalgic for. Um, and so even though some stuff in this documentary occurred before I was born, uh, being able to see some of those things that I remembered growing up and, you know, being really excited for when they came out, like your Mortal Kombat's, like your Street Fighter 2's and, you know, what that looked like and, and you know, seeing the birth of Doom and reliving some of that stuff was just really cool. And hearing from the people who worked on that stuff, who made it a reality was awesome. So if you are 
even a little bit interested in video games and their history and their development. And, and the one thing that I have to say that this docu-series did really well is, you know, it, it didn't just make it about the games, it also made it about the people. And so you get to hear stories about how people, people were able to find themselves in these games or in a sense we're able to allow other people to find themselves in these games and i think that was something that was really beautiful about these stories like it wasn't just hey i'm the person who made this game this is what went into making it blah 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 it really gets into the communities that formed around these games or or you know how people were able to speak to their racial or gender or sexual identity through games and i i i just really think you should watch it if if you are if you're interested in docu series if you're interested in video games this is a really well made series i think everybody should check it out high score on netflix definitely one of my favorites of the year in terms of switching it up going over to music for a little bit favorite music album is one that i definitely talked about in um how do i put this uh the episode where i deal with the racial injustice racial turmoil of 2020 um I was struggling with a lot of things and probably my favorite album of the year dropped during that time, Run the Jewels 4. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about the work that, you know, uh, LP and Killer Mike do on their albums. Uh, They're two of my favorite performers to go see. I can't count how many times I've seen Run the Jewels perform live. Um, if there weren't a pandemic, I'd be at their next show guaranteed. Um, but that album just hit at the right time. It hit with the right emotions. And, you know, over the last few weeks, I've been revisiting it. And it, it is an album that, like, I can't really escape. It it feels like it, you know, it, it, it it's, it's hard to verbalize when something so completely fits the moment that you're in. Uh, but that's what that album does for me. You know, it, it may not necessarily be the actual best album of the year, but it, it's definitely been my favorite. It's definitely been one that I keep going back to and listening to over and over again. And and it's it's partially the lyricism. I, I, I really like the lyrics that these guys come up with. I think they have a lot to say and they are able to express it really well. I think the production is amazing. Like, you know, I, 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 I've loved Run the Jewels since they first dropped. And one of the things that I always like doing is just listening to the instrumentals, just listening to the production. LP is, he's just great when it comes to that stuff. Like I've, I've been listening to LP's instrumentals for, for over a decade now, like close to a decade and a half now, it, it might actually be two decades now. God, it's it's been so long. I just I love his production work. And so, you know, this album just really it hit in all the right ways for me. And, you know, I it's one of those things it's like if you like run the jewels you know you like run the jewels if you don't like run the jewels you probably will not like this album uh but if you're into hip-hop and you want to hear something that like just again fits this moment that we're in uh as a country and you know you want something to kind of tear shit up to run the jewels for is great for that Staying in the audio realm, uh, favorite podcast, I actually, I, I couldn't choose. I, there are two podcasts that every week I'm looking forward to, and no, one of them is not my podcast, even though I hope my podcast is one of your favorites. Um, my first one that I have to talk about is uh, Yo, Is This Racist? Uh, it is, it's, 
barring what the title says, it is a comedy podcast uh, starring Andrew T and uh, Tony Newsom. Uh, Tony Newsom, who you may know from Star Trek Lower Decks, if you watch that, I believe she was also on Space Force. Um, she was in the Auntie Donna uh, Netflix comedy show. Um, very funny person. Andrew T does writing right now. I believe he is working on Mixedish for ABC. Uh, but basically, the show, if you're not familiar with it, is they basically will talk about the latest news in racism. So what racism is happening in the country that giving week. Um, and then if they have a guest, you'll you'll get to know the guests that they have on that episode a little bit. And then they will take a voicemail from callers who basically ask questions about is something that they have experienced or are doing or are seeing blah, blah, blah. Is it racist? And you know, just the way that they respond to these, some are some are more serious, but a lot of them are very funny. Um, and really, like part of the humor is seeing, you know, or sorry, hearing what people call in about. Um, it is probably one of the shows that gets me laughing the most. Um, and so it's just been really entertaining. Um, even when things were a little bit harder this year, um, they were able to make the show work and, and to really, you know, I don't want to say bring levity to a tough situation, but to really help you get through a, a really turbulent time. Um, and, you know, I, I really appreciate that. Recently, they they took their show off of uh, they, they went independent with their show and it's it's really cool to see them really have kind of full control over what they're doing. And, you know, I just really wish them the best of luck with that. And the other show that I have to, to say is my my tied for my favorite podcast this year is Keep It. Um, the hosts are Ira Madison, the third uh, Louis Vartel and Aida Osman and I it's a pop cultural podcast with a mix of uh, politics and it it's just a lot of fun to listen to. I, I like that they are able to talk about serious subjects, talk about pop culture and entertainment, point out the ridiculousness of it, celebrate the things that they really like. You know, it's one of those things where it's like you can tell the people talking about these things are really passionate about what they're talking about. They get some great guests on there as well, and they're definitely a wealth of information. I feel like every time I listen, there is at least one piece of pop culture that I want to check out immediately after listening. Um, even if I don't end up liking that thing, it at least makes me want to check it out, see what it's all about, and see if it's something that I would be interested in. So I think all of the hosts are incredibly funny people. They have great chemistry together. They're a lot of fun to listen to. Um, um, and yeah, I just I, I just really look forward to hearing them every week. Um, definitely makes the the week go by faster. Moving away from audio and and back into the world of video games, um, my favorite video game of the year. I actually talked about it very briefly on an episode of my podcast, but. I actually went on a friend's podcast to talk about it. Uh, it is Final Fantasy VII Remake. So again, you know, I I don't spend a lot of time talking about video games on this podcast, something that maybe I'll change in, in the upcoming year. Maybe I'll, I'll do a few more episodes, uh, you know, really more broadly about aspects of video games that I really like and, and the storytelling and, and how they kind of compare to other forms of entertainment. Um, but Final Fantasy VII is like one of the biggest games of all time. Uh, it, it's probably the most important RPG on the original PlayStation. And it is something that has been so beloved and people have been seeking a remake of this game for years. Uh, basically, since the PlayStation 2 came out or and then the PlayStation 3 and then the PlayStation 4, people have been clamoring for a remake for that game. And they technically didn't get it. Um, you know, not to spoil anything, uh, but... 
Final Fantasy VII Remake is not a remake in the most traditional sense, and I love that about it. Um, one of the things that Square Enix was able to do with this remake is to essentially have a conversation with the original game that it has spawned from. And I, I think that is such a smart way to do a remake rather than just giving something a really beautiful facelift. Like, you know, right now I'm playing through Dark Souls on PS5, which is a remake of a PlayStation 3 game. And yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it is. It is faithful almost to a fault, I feel like. I enjoy that even within the story, they're able to put this Final Fantasy VII remake in conversation with the original Final Fantasy VII and some of the other properties that kind of came out afterwards as, as part of the, you know, whatever it's called, the compendium of Final Fantasy VII. And, you know, again, this this part of the, the podcast isn't going to be for everybody. This game isn't going to be for everybody. But for me, I thought it was a really cool experience. It was something that definitely gave me a new appreciation for the original game. And the meta storytelling of the game, I thought was really brilliant. It's something that I wish more remakes and reboots would do. Um, you know, and I, and I think, I believe I called it a requel um, in a previous episode of the podcast. So, um, Definitely check that out. Definitely check out my episode of my friend's podcast. Those will be linked in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely one of my favorite video game experiences of this year. And again, like I said, there were a lot of really cool experiences that I had this year. You know, Ghost of Tsushima was a, a brilliant game that I platinumed. I did everything that you could do in that game, and I really enjoyed it. Spider-Man Miles Morales on PS5, again, same thing. Platinum that game, did everything that I could in it. I also platinum Final Fantasy VII Remake. It was such a, a great experience that I played through that game on you know the regular difficulty. I played through it on the hard mode difficulty. I unlocked everything that you could unlock in that game. I just did not want to put it down, and I enjoyed the story on top of that. And the combat was fun, you know, all around for me. That game just worked. And you know, while technically it may not be the best game. It is definitely the game that I had the best experience with overall and just wanted to stay within that world. So um, definitely, if you are into RPGs, if you're into Final Fantasy, check it out. You may not love what they did with the story as much as I did, uh, but I'm always open to that conversation. I always want to hear what people have to say about that kind of thing. So moving away from interactive entertainment, interactive media, and to the final three categories, the granddaddies of them all, or grandmommies, or grandvays, I, I, I don't know, a favorite TV show. And this was a tough one. There were a lot of TV shows this year, some that I saw, some that I didn't see, um, some that I've talked about in the past that you might think, oh, like Larry's definitely going to choose Lovecraft Country. Nope. Um, sorry. Um, this year, my favorite TV show was The Great. And this is one that I feel like a lot of people missed out on. It came out in the spring and it is a Hulu show basically all about Catherine the Great as she marries Peter the third of Russia and tries to figure out how to survive royalty. I, I, I think that's the easiest synopsis to give it. Um, Catherine is played by the amazing Al Fanning. I, she's just brilliant in this. Peter is played by Nicholas Holt. The performances in this are uh, hilarious and poignant and, you know, everything about it is is fun and funny. Uh, if you loved the movie or liked the movie, The Favorite, you will probably feel a lot of the same energy. That's because the co-writer of The Favorite is actually the creator of The Grape and you can feel a lot of that DNA within The Grape. Um, I definitely think it is a show worth checking out. 
If you haven't watched it already, if you have, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it because I I don't think I've gotten to talk to anybody about this show. I, I know of like one friend who's watched it. So um, if you haven't, it's on Hulu. Definitely worth the watch. Check it out. Favorite movie. And so I had to split up favorite movie into two categories. The first category are films that I was able to experience in theaters. The second category is films that I watched on streaming. And so I will start with the films that I watched in theaters because that was a, a very short time period this year. And this one might be a little bit surprising because I realized I did not review it on the podcast at the beginning of the year. I was actually going back through searching for it. And I don't think I did. I, I I was really confused because I thought I would have. And, you know, I had to, for favorite movie watched in theaters, I had to really reframe the way that I was thinking about it. It's not just what was the favorite movie that I saw in theaters, but really, since it was in theaters, I had to make it about what was the theater experience like. What was the sound like, the visuals, all of it? How did it all come together to make that movie going experience sitting in the theater? How was that? And so I settled on 1917. Um, and yes, I know technically that movie came out Christmas Day in 2019, but realistically, I was not going to see it before the end of the year that year. There was a ton of other stuff that I had to try to see that I had to squeeze in. I think I instead of going to see 1917, I, I saw Uncut Gems in the one day that I had available after family time while nobody was around or, or wanting to go see it with me. So 1917 takes that slot for me. And, you know, again, it's it's one of those things where it is a great piece of filmmaking. I think the cinematography work is legendary. Deacons just does magic. It, it is it is a beautiful film to watch. The sound direction was amazing. It, the performances, subdued as they were, were great. I I. It, I need to get that movie on 4K Blu-ray and watch it all over again because that experience was just, it, it just takes everything out of you. So definitely one of my favorites to see in theaters. And, and, and a couple of honorable mentions that I'll be giving here. Um, one goes to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, I got to see it in theaters towards the beginning of this year. Very beautiful film. I'm glad that I was able to watch it in theaters, despite the woman who at the end of it decided to say, I don't understand what everybody was talking about, why they thought that was so great because she fell asleep during it. I don't know what to tell you. You're narcoleptic. Maybe you shouldn't go to the movies if you're just going to fall asleep in them, but whatever. I have a review of that on the podcast. Again, in the show notes, you can find the link to that old episode. And the other honorable mention that I'll give here is one that I talked about briefly before, but Birds of Prey. Um, for me, most fun uh, comic book movie that came out this year. Um, and it was a lot of fun to see that in theaters. I definitely enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah. Again, you can find a review that I did for that movie in the old podcast, in the podcast feed, uh, or a link in the show notes. Favorite movie watched on streaming. So I'll be honest, there, there may be a little bit of recency bias here, but I'm going to be real. This film hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting. The film is Wonder Woman 1984. No, I'm just kidding. That movie was garbage. Garbage. Uh, I can't believe they're getting to make a third one after that mess. Uh, but for real, the film that I recently watched on streaming uh, is Sound of Metal. Directed by Darius Martyr and starring Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal is the story of a drummer who begins to lose his hearing and kind of the the path that that sets him on. 
it's it's something that's really interesting to think about it. I think part of the reason that this movie hit so well for me is and and you know maybe it's the perfect encapsulation of this year and and I know technically speaking this film was was made in in 2019 I guess and and might have released in in festivals and stuff in 2019 but wide release Amazon Prime release was 2020 uh, but basically this idea that for me in in looking at this I was able to look broader, look out from the story actually being told in the movie about this person contending with losing, essentially losing their ability to do something they love. And the way that I was kind of viewing that and thinking about that was within the context of what we're kind of all going through right now in the pandemic. So, you know, in in a sense, what are we being prevented from doing? And, you know, in a sense, how do we have to reteach ourselves to live within this new setup? And I just think this film is so beautifully, the story is so beautifully told. Um, I think the performances are great from, you know, Riz Ahmed and Olivia, uh, Olivia Cook and, you know, all of the other people that that show up in this film. I think everybody does a great job. And, you know, one of the stars of this film is definitely the sound direction. It's something that, you know, watching it, the way that they went about designing the sound for the different scenarios that were happening was it was just amazing. And, and it's the type of thing that I, I don't think we always give enough credit to when it comes to filmmaking like you know we're always talking about cinematography we're always talking about directing or writing and acting and you know all too often we completely overlook how important sound can be and i'm not going to say that we never talk about sound i mean obviously you know think about christopher nolan and you know some of the fire that that tenant has been under and some of the issues that people had with interstellar and you know bane's voice in the dark night in dark night rises um you know sound is important we know sound is important but we don't often think about it as as the most important and i feel like this film really does a good job of of really exploring its message with really telling its story through its use of of just brilliant sound design and sound production and you know it's something that as i was watching it i just felt like i i really wish more films would do this. And and again, I know it's not necessarily fitting for all films, but there was just such brilliant work done there. It, it made me wonder what are things that other films could potentially do to evoke a certain emotion by by using sound in a way that's different than they traditionally would. Um, you know, and yeah, there's just again, I, I don't want to give too much away about the story, but I, I definitely think it's something that I would tell you when you watch it, watch it with a good sound system. Like if you are a person who watches movies on your computer, please watch it with headphones, like not earbuds, like watch it with over the ear headphones. Or if you have a good sound system, watch it with something with a good sound system, because I, I think the work deserves it. And and honestly, any film that you're watching, any TV that you're watching, any music that you're l- listening to, like give it the respect of listening to it through a good audio output device if you can. Like, you know, I know it's not easy for everybody, but people put a lot of effort in to making audio sound good. Please, please do them the the service of listening to it the right way but yeah sound of metal my favorite movie that i've watched on streaming in 2020 and those are my 2020 favorites i need to take a break hang on i'll be right back 
So those are my favorites. What are your favorites? Hit me up on social media at Larry Tron or at Stay Watching Pod or email me Larry at LM2 Photo or Stay Watching Pod at gmail.com. Tell me what are your favorites? You know, what's your favorite escape? Favorite fight scene, favorite Star Wars content, favorite Marvel content, favorite trash TV, favorite meme or cultural moment, favorite entertainment not made in 2020, favorite advertisement, favorite animated content, favorite nostalgic content, favorite music album, favorite podcast, favorite video game, favorite TV show, favorite movie watched in theaters or favorite movie watched on streaming. I want to hear from you. Just tell me what some of those are. You don't need to tell me all of them, but if you have something that you really love this year, share it with me. I'd love to hear about it. I want to keep that conversation going into the new year. Obviously, I know things aren't where we all want them to be. Things aren't the greatest, but how can we make them a little bit better? Let's talk about the things that make us happy, our favorite things. Let's bring that energy all 2021. So I will be back with new episodes soon. Uh, If you're nasty, there might be a bonus episode waiting for you next week. Maybe I haven't fully decided yet. Maybe, maybe there will, maybe there won't. We'll see. Maybe I'll take a little break. I don't know. I don't know. You'll find out next week. Uh, Until then, stay watching, fam. Peace.